0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. John 15, 9-17 As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead,
1: live at westminster chapel it's church gym but not as we know it Uh, there's a few things that are missing i wonder on your chat uh, things you might express something of what you miss about being together uh, in church together on a sunday morning it seems very strange to be here live and not have friends, not to be looking forward to lunch with the gardeners or coffee with the Sloanes or whatever it might be and just greeting each other. The one thing I can say I don't miss is the temperature. If you're at home at the morning in front of a nice warm radiator and drinking a cup of tea, it's freezing here. And so, if I'm shaking a little bit, it's not nerves, well, it probably is nerves, but it's also the the sense it is freezing cold. It is a very uh, special day in the life of our nation. Um, The roads here are closed because of Remembrance Sunday and the Cenotaph and memorials that are going on. And I want to use this occasion not just to mark our own remembrance, but uh, to also talk about the greatest sacrifice ever made in the history of this world. And in order for you to follow this message, I'd like you to uh, use your imaginations. I'd like you to just be, maybe even at home you can do this much easier than in a building. You can shut your eyes. I want you to imagine a young soldier... It's getting towards the end of the war. It's a spring day and the allies are moving through Europe and clearing town after town. And this young soldier is walking through along with his troop, just making sure there's no booby traps, making sure there's no last-minute enemy hidden away. And it's a sunny day and he's sitting down. He's decided perhaps to write a little note to his loved one back home and he doesn't realize that 300 meters away in a disused church tower is a sniper an enemy sniper who has him in his sights and fires that fatal bullet there will be no moment for a mother to greet him coming home. That sweetheart will not have a marriage and children. His brothers won't go fishing with him again. He will not grow old and sit with his grandchildren on his knee and talk and share his life stories. He gave his tomorrow for our today, caught in the crosshairs. Coronavirus, it seems to me, is a little bit like that hidden sniper We're trying to get on with our lives. We're aware that he is or could be somewhere around us, and yet our life seems to go on, and yet we're not quite sure how safe we are or aren't. And then when the the siren sounds, and it sounds like the summer is here, and there's an all clear, then suddenly we are aware all too clearly this week that the sniper's bullet has hit again and again, as hundreds of people have lost their life this week caught in the crosshairs. But let me tell you one more story. I grew up in a military family. You may not know this at Westminster Chapel, but my mother, my father, my sister, my brother-in-law, my grandfather, they were all in the services. They've all been proud of representing and serving our country. So this day is a very special day for them and it's quite a moving day, because one of my family has sadly died. But my story was I was sent to boarding school to make a man of me, to prepare me for the future, which could well be in the military, and things didn't quite work out as my parents expected, a, a series of unfortunate events of bullying and not being able to fit in, and, having all kinds of abuse, leg broken included in that package, left me, at the age of 15, wandering through the rubble of a broken life, of broken relationships, of hopelessness. And I came to a church building and not realizing that the crosshairs I was caught in the crosshairs of divine love and I heard a message in that church service that God has sent his son to rescue me from a life of misery and selfishness and despair. And that divine bullet, the bullet of the love of Jesus Christ pierced my heart. meant an end to my old life I died in that moment to a life of pleasing myself to a life of sin but came alive to a life in God and so I want to talk this morning about being caught in the crosshairs of love because Jesus in these verses that we had beautifully read to us gives this command to his troops my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus gives this command, not as a harsh sergeant major, grit your teeth and love each other, but no, he demonstrates what that love is to look like in taking our punishment, taking our judgment, Coming to planet Earth and drawing all the poison, all the sickness, all the wickedness into himself upon a cross. And showing us what the love of God in heaven is like towards us here on planet Earth. So on this of all days when we remember so many, over a million in this country, brave men and women who gave their lives for our freedom. I want to focus on what divine love looks like from this passage and talk about how we are caught in the crosshairs of God's love. So let me explain what this love is. In, if you've got your Bibles on your laps in front of you, first of all, it is a love that goes beyond duty. In verse 15, Jesus says to his disciples I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you Jesus is a rabbi he's a teacher he has called him to himself some apprentices some disciples Their job was a little bit like Downton Abbey, yes sir, no sir, three bags full, so they were people who were there to do his bidding, to listen to him, to learn from him, but also to do the menial, to do the chores, to get the water, to light the fire, to cook, to clean up, to go go ahead of him and make sure things were prepared in advance. But Jesus is now saying to them as he, as he approaches uh, the, the, the reason why he came upon earth. And it's explained in the chapters before that he is on a rendezvous mission. He is, a, he is under authority to arrive at a destiny. And he's saying to them, I'm no longer calling you servants. Because servants don't really know what's going on in the master's study. I'm calling you today friends because I want you to understand that we are in this together. I want you to understand that this is no divine accident that is going to happen to me. Some accident of of human origin. This is in the divine will of God that I am going to this rendezvous point. And the rendezvous point that Jesus is, is, is moving towards, the, the, the climax of his mission on earth, is where heaven meets earth. A cross. A Roman cross. His disciples have already tried to talk him out of it. They know what that means. But Jesus is setting his face like flint towards the cross. It says in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now we need to break any sense of romanticism, a little silver cross round our neck, and think of the cross in that sort of, very sort of romantic way. The cross was horrific. In fact, if you and I were to go to the cross, go to the place of crucifixion, I can guarantee we would do one of two things. We would probably tear our hair literally from our scalps because such was the horror, the most wicked torture ever devised by human beings. Men taken, nails driven through wrists, through ankles, gasping for breath as they were hauled up upon these these wooden uh, spikes and, and crying out in agony and pain. We would have either tore our hair out or probably more likely have vomited. The stench of bodily fluids as they were emptied, as people racked with pain, cried and gasped as crowds mocked and they just cried and, and wanted to be alleviated from some such horrors. Jesus went to the cross not because of mankind will but divine will. It was for the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross. He died upon a cross. Joy. Why was there joy in such a horror because there was no other way the Bible explains for mankind to be rescued from judgment and to enter into a relationship with the living God you see The cross of Jesus Christ is a crossroads, heaven touches earth and at that place where Jesus took the wrath of God against mankind's sin, there is a divine exchange that can take place for all who would put their trust in Jesus Christ. There is joy for everyone knowing that all of our wrongs, all the things that condemn us can in that moment once and for all be put right. There is joy in knowing that our lives, which are so messed up with sin, so filthy and stinky, can in that moment be washed so that we are beautifully clean before a holy God. There is joy that we who were once orphans, who once looked outside Buckingham Palace and thought, what is it like inside heaven, can be ushered in not as slaves, not as servants, but as children of the living God. There is joy in what it is to know that life has a meaning, that God has not just forgiven us and He has given us His life that begins here on planet Earth and that goes on and on and on. Greater chapters, greater stories yet to be written for all eternity. It begins at the cross. At that moment, you surrender. At that moment, you kneel and say to Jesus Christ, thank you for suffering, for dying, for my sin, that I might become, me a rebel, I might become a child of God. It's an amazing, wonderful love. God demonstrates his love in this, Romans 5 says, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I know as I look into this screen, as I know I'm in living rooms all over London and even in the country, maybe the world, I know that there are people here that may be far away from that love and God is saying, you're right in my crosshairs today. I want you to know what it is to know this divine love in your heart, not as a thing in your head, but a thing in your heart. I feel that there might be a person who is ex-military listening to this, a soldier. Now out of the army, perhaps you've turned to drink or drugs, you've had broken families and you've wondered what your life is all about. God wants you to know you're in the crosshairs of his love today. He wants you to draw you to himself. I feel there's a lady from Africa, come to England with two children, her husband's abandoned You may know her or she may be listening to this. And she's walked away from God. She says, how can God love me? But today, God wanting to speak to her and saying, you're right in the center of my love, the crosshairs of my love. If you feel the tug of your heart this morning, the Holy Spirit's touching you and saying to you, you need to get yourself right with God today. There are things on your screen that you can touch, comments you can make, places you can go where people can help you. Please do it. The second thing I I notice about this divine love is this. It is a love that is rooted in choice. Do you see in verse 16, look at in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. We like to make choices. We like to be proud of the choices we make. Talk about a jacket we may have bought. This is old, but someone commented on it this morning how nice it was. We like making choices and we like choosing friends. We like choosing people that are like us. We like choosing to go to places. God is in the choosing business. Jesus says to his disciples, you you didn't sort of stumble into this discipleship business. I chose you. I didn't choose you in a minute, in, in, in a moment of weakness. I chose you from eternity past. I set my love upon you. Ephesians 1 verse 4 said, For God the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, before a star was in space, God set his love upon you. And we need to know this. Brothers and sisters in Westminster Chapel listening to this day, we need to know that God has chosen us. If we don't know this, you see, we can live as slaves. We can live thinking we we chose God and we've got to somehow keep God happy uh, and and hopefully keep our end of the bargain. He does half, we do half. No, God set his love upon us from eternity. Before we ever done anything good or bad, God chose us to be with him, to be his children, to know him. But the love of God isn't a theory, it's an action. That's what we are celebrating today, the cross of Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus died upon that cross. Christ walks, as it were, onto the battlefield of human history, when we were at our most desperate, when we were bogged down in the the deepest bog of sin, when we had no life, we were breathing our last, last breath, and Christ rescued us, redeemed us, saved us, pulled us to himself, and gave us this new life. And he commands us, this is my command, love one another. Make your choice today, Jesus says, in divine love to love one another. We're called to be agents of love. We're not just receiving this divine love which melts our hearts and makes us born again and living this wonderful, joyful life God has chosen for us, we are also commanded to go out and choose to love others, to love what God loves. And to love what God loves means firstly, we love the church. I am so missing being with you, Westminster Chapel. It aches. I'm tearful coming into this building because where are you? I want to be with you. I want to touch you. And you from all different walks of life, from rich and poor, from all the nations of the world. I love what God loves, which is the church. Don't tell me, please, anyone listening to this, don't please, I I, I love Jesus, I don't really care less about the church. No, you've got to care less for the church, because Jesus commands us to love one another. He says in a chapter or two earlier, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. How? The way in which you love each other. And we love each other out of a choice, not out of an emotion. We choose to recognize that we're different. We choose to recognize we look different. We follow different football teams. We live different lives. But we choose to love in the way God has loved us. Unconditionally, freely, abundantly, lavishly. We love others. But we also love the unlovable. I thank God for all the ministries that work out of here with children and youth and food bank, so many things, wonderful ministries reaching towards those who have never asked to be loved, yet we're going to love because we've been loved in that way. And I read two weeks ago, and I I, I did weep over this story, i would never heard of her before, a guy, a lady called Irina Sendler. And Irina Sendler was a Polish social worker and nurse. And when she heard about the plight of the Jews in the ghetto of Warsaw, decided bravely in her will to go into the ghetto to meet the needs of people, medically and socially. But also she would smuggle out, she would anesthetize and smuggle out in a bag, children. And having got them out of the ghetto, would then arrange for them to go to places all across Europe where they would be safe. She took their name, she put it in a bottle. She buried the bottle in the back garden, so that after the war, she would be able to find the children and find the parents. She was caught towards the end of the war. She was imprisoned. She had both her legs broken. But she survived. And after the war, she dug up the jar It contained 2,500 children's names. and She set about for the rest of her life, wherever she could, repatriating those children to the parents if they were alive. Many, sadly, weren't. Greater love has no man, says Jesus, than a man lays down his life for his friends. God calls us today to choose to love in that same way. And finally, let me say this, a love that sets us apart. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, appointed you. A love that sets us apart. This, is, this word appointed is set apart. It can be used in a military sense in terms of being commissioned as Jesus was commissioned by the Father to come on his mission on earth. Jesus then commissions his disciples and commissions us to be on exactly this same mission. There is something seriously wrong with our world. There is something seriously wrong in the UK. There is an enemy at work, and we every day are listening to the the brokenness of the enemy activity. Lives which are broken, people who are fearful, people who are dying. Racism, this whole horror story. Even America today, the, the America being torn in two by political divisions. There's so much fear, anxiety, hatred in the world. And Jesus says, the answer I've given is the love of Jesus in the lives of the church, in the lives of those disciples. I want you, Jesus says to his disciples, to go and bear fruit. And he's talking here explicitly about the fruit that he has borne in their lives that we're to bear in others, people's lives. He's talking about seeing people saved and redeemed and ransomed from, a, from sin and, and, and death into the life of God. Brothers and sisters at Westminster Chapel, on this of all days, let me remind you that London is not a playground. It is a battleground. The UK is not a playground for the rich and for those who have. It is a battleground for the church where we are at war with an enemy who wants to destroy and to kill and to defame God. And we have what the nation most needs, which is the gospel. The gospel shared with the divine motivator, the divine love of Jesus Christ, where we touch a world in love and tell them that God is a God of love and God wants to bring an end to suffering and misery and hatred and discord. And God has ordained you, not ordained Howard or ordained Guy, he's ordained you, listening on this screen, he's ordained you to be a bearer, to be a bringer of good news. He's ordained you to be fruitful, bearing the fruit. I say that because I know 90% of evangelicals in this country have never shared their faith outside of their own family home. And I believe the Holy Spirit is present to bring change in you as you listen to this message. So let me finish. Talk about caught in the crosshairs. You may never have heard of him, but he is the most famous man of famous last words. He is a union general in the American Civil War. His name was John Sedgwick. And John Sedgwick is riding his horse, leading his troops into a battle. And his officers around him say, hey, hey, pull back a bit. We're getting too close. And he famously says the enemy couldn't hit an elephant at this distance just before he was caught in the crosshairs of a sniper's bullet. We don't know whether COVID's gonna strike next. We don't know if, if, how safe we are. We don't know how safe our loved ones are. We don't know if they're gonna be hurt or we're gonna escape, whether we, some are gonna, of us are gonna die. And there is this huge amount of uncertainty in the world out there. But we do know this, brothers and sisters, that we, as his disciples, are in the crosshairs of his love, that God is for us, that God is watching over us, and he's commissioning us to be good news to the world out there, to bring this incredible love of God into every home, every place we can touch. Where are you? in your crosshairs this week. Where are you focused? What, who are you thinking of? Because I believe this morning as I'm speaking, there is a commissioning moment. In a few minutes, after I read a few famous sentences from a poem, Becky again is going to play the trumpet. And this is a moment, just again, one to remember and thank God for all those people who gave their lives for our freedom today. Two, it's a moment where God, I believe, wants to summon people to kneel and to bow the knee and follow Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe come back to that obedience. But thirdly, as she plays, I believe it's a summons, a Holy Spirit summons on all of us to be commissioned with the love of God to go out into our streets, into our neighborhoods, and to bring this love of God wherever we go. So let me read very famous last stanzas of Lawrence Binion's famous poem. They went with songs to the battle. They were young, straight of limb, true of eye, steady in a glow. They were staunch to the end, against odds uncounted. They fell, their faces to the foe. They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age will not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them.